0: Samantha Kozak. She ran away. What happened? I'm supposed to dig. I want to talk to you. You're not yourself right now. This is the most important thing that I have ever done in my whole life.
1: Hey, welcome everybody.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, hey.
1: So drawn out, whatever. Welcome to Satanist on Cinema. We're your hosts, Reverend Campbell and Satanist Cameron John. Uh, Satanist on Cinema is a film review commentary or er, and commentary series that undergoes hypnosis to unlock our latent reviewing abilities, granting us the gift of the banana sticker rating. Welcome to our review on The Star of Shadows stir of Echoes. What the fuck? Stir of Shadows. Stir of Shadows. Yeah, it's uh it's when you mix uh Book of Shadows, aka Blair Witch 2 with right. this movie. Yeah, I'll okay. Uh
0: how you doing, <laughs> vasuri Vashorai in the chat. Good to see you, man. Um I love this film. I yes. just watched it again this morning and I just can't stop having good feels. For this film, it's just so damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the log line is after being hypnotized by a sister in law, a man begins seeing haunted visions of a girl's ghost, and a mystery begins to unfold around him. This is directed mm-hmm. by David Coep. Coep? Koepipi. Oh, yeah, we decided. Yes, Koepipi. Was... Koepipi. <laughs> written by Richard Matheson from the original novel, uh, and. Uh, The screenplay was written also by David Coapipi, (laughs) released in the United States in September 10th, 1999, just before Y2K. And the budget was uh, $12 million. Worldwide, it brought in $23 million. So it wasn't a huge success, but it was definitely a success. Um, Many reviewers felt that the film suffered from being released shortly after previous high-earning occult films of that same year, The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch Project, and The Mummy.
1: And that's about oh. one time that I'll agree with critics and shit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That that was the biggest failure of this movie.
0: Uh, IMDb is rating it with seven out of ten stars. Rotten Tomatoes has it with sixty-seven percent and an audience score of seventy percent. So everyone generally favors it. I'm not mm. sure why it's not higher than sixty or seventy percent though, because it genuinely yeah, is a it. really good film. I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. some of co-op PP's <laughs> Influences for the film were Rowan Plansky's Repulsion from 65, Rosemary's Baby from 68, and David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone from 83. Principal photography took place in Chicago and lasted 39 days uh, from October 5th to November 21st in 98. Uh, Coep felt that many hypnosis scenes in films are mostly skipped by. So he came up with the idea of allowing viewers to see through Kevin Bacon, the main character's point of view as he undergoes hypnosis and makes the concept fresh. The theater from the this sequence is located in Joliet, Illinois. Um, so it stars Kevin Bacon as Tom, Catherine Irby as Maggie, his wife, their son is Zachary David Cope. Some tangential characters, uh, Maggie's sister Lisa is played by Ileana Douglas, who's great. Um, and then they've got two uh, male neighbors, uh, Kevin Dunn and Connor O'Farrell. This is uh, a pretty small-scale film. It's like a haunted house, basically. Mm. But it really does feel a lot broader and more airy because it includes the city. And so mm. you get a real sort of urban vibe rather than the suffocating home feel for a haunted house film, right?
1: Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Like the the city is definitely a character in this.
0: Yeah, so what do you think? Um, let's let's just run through it. Do you want to do that?
1: Yeah. So, starts out with uh, that. Oh fuck! How does it start out? They're going to a party. Yeah, that's what it was, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Fuck! I already forgot. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only watched this a billion times and watched it last <laughs> night. But of course, it's this is one of those movies that I every fucking time I watch it, I just drop into it. Mm-hmm. Like, mind goes blank. So, yeah. that, that happens. Anyway, so they start off going to a party. Uh, they have a sitter for their kid, so it sets up that they have a child. And even though he's five, they still have a baby monitor, because why the fuck wouldn't you have a baby <laughs> monitor for your five-year-old child? Um, yeah. And uh, the party ends with uh, the sister, you know, from the logged line, hypnotizing um, the fuck was his name? Tom. Tom. And, you know, he thinks it's bullshit, so of course he goes along with it, and when he comes to, he has no idea what happened, just got a couple quick flashes of his house and him being in it, but it wasn't his house, and it wasn't him. Um, Very, very cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the rest of the film is him trying to figure that shit out.
0: Yeah, what, what was really great about this hypnosis scene was you know, what we just uh, mentioned at the very beginning is that mm-hmm. the director really wanted to highlight what it meant to go under hypnosis and how it affected uh, the main character. And mm-hmm. especially the idea of awakening parts of your mind so that you're more aware to other dimensional things occurrences or intuitions or, or whatever. It's this idea that everyone has this unlock or uh, this locked potential, and that mm. can be unlocked in some people through hypnosis. It's a very The Shining sort of um, vibe.
1: I was gonna say, it's it's straight up The Shine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's
0: the, the easiest way to think about it. Um, and the film actually broadens out to include ideas of there are other groups of mm-hmm. those with this ability. Um, Which is very, very exciting. Um, So the the main character, Tom, played by Kevin Bacon, um, his son has always had it. In fact, the opening scene is a son in a a Mm. tub talking to someone. And then it pans and you realize he's talking to no one. And then he ends with the closing line of asking, does it hurt to be dead? Yeah. And you just (laughs) don't see anyone there. And so you're immediately like, oh, shit, this kid... He's got the gift. And so as soon as the dad realizes that he has the gift and the son is like in the middle of the night, um, walks down the stairs and sees him, he's like, oh, you're awake. Of course, you're playing on the idea that you're awake in the middle of the night, but no, his son is actually saying, you're awake. You you now see what I see every day. And he can sense that he can see it. And I think that's a mm-hmm. very cool way of, of portraying this because again, I can't remember any film that's done that since The Shining in this type of a... Yeah, I don't I know, this type of a it. supernatural genre, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I I really think that the best part of this film is that it, it's not just a supernatural horror, um, it's also body horror. Like you get mm-hmm. some really creepy ass scenes of Love teeth it. <laughs> and nails, and it's just oh, it, it really gets you if you're if you're kind of squeamish about body horror. Like mm-hmm. my wife, don't mess with teeth around her, she freaks the fuck out.
1: So you really can't crazy. tell me that shit. Cause <laughs> now I got to try to figure out some way to fuck with it. You start pulling teeth out. Teeth.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Blood coming down. Um, It was so great. Yeah. That fingernail scene. Oh
1: Ugh, God. It gets kid. me every fucking time. Totally like agree. the tooth, whatever. Like when she face plants and it busts yeah. and it goes shooting across. Yeah. Yeah. It's gnarly. But yeah. Watching that nail pill up and especially like, I haven't watched this in a few years. So now actually watching on a big screen TV, You know, nice definition, like actually seeing like underneath the nail, like the nail bed itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that made my butthole pucker. Definitely.
0: (laughs) The film has an original score, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I stole some of it for the intro of our our series here. But um, it's not so overbearing that it's like dominating a Mm -hmm. scene or even... You know, it, it sort of takes a back seat, which I think is fine because the story is interesting enough. So as soon as they come back from that party at the very beginning, uh, Kevin Bacon's character, uh, Jay, uh, Tom, wakes up in the middle of the night. He's just incredibly thirsty. Apparently, when you shine, or I'm just going to refer to it as shining from here on out. Um, mm. When you shine, you just deplete all your electrolytes. <laughs> and so he's just drinking water and orange juice as as fast as he can because every new scene every new shine just completely you know Mm -hmm. takes everything out of him and so he's sitting on the couch he goes to hit the power of the remote sits back and there's this spirit this ghost reaching out at him and he like jumps back and you can see that it's trying to talk to him but he doesn't understand what it's saying and that singular event spins everything out of control because what we were introduced to in the setup of that party scene was this couple who have another kid on the way? They're not happy with where they are in life. Um, Tom is a struggling musician, and he's currently working as some like telephone electrician type job, and he's just he's he's just completely uh, unhappy with where he is, and and more so because he promised his wife that they would have a better life by now, and they mm-hmm. don't, and so he feels like he has the most mundane, pointless life and job. And it just everything is miserable. Then suddenly this happens, and it's the one special thing that he can latch on to in life. Meanwhile, his wife, <laughs> yeah. who seems very content with everything uh, except maybe his discontent, um, and uh, she is completely put on the outside because now the son and father have this really great, tight knit, shining relationship, mm. and she is just sort of left out. Like every time they're whispering in the room, she comes down, they stop talking completely.
1: And that's, yeah, and that shit, that setup is pretty funny Yeah, when the kids just deadpan the whole time when they're fighting and all that shit and just looks over at him. It scares mommy. That's why I don't talk about it. And then just stops. It's like, so fucking good.
0: Well, it's it's really nice seeing the frenzy that he finds himself being Mm -hmm. stuck in this mundane existence as he sees it. And then suddenly a door opens to this completely different World that he never knew existed, but that's all around him. He doesn't understand it. He can't control it. He can't really comprehend it. But he just mm-hmm. knows that it's there, and it's special. He wants to communicate with someone else, his son, who who does know it. So, um, anyway, uh, the the next big scene is is him trying to discover this ghost again and unable to to you know really have her come out again um Mm -hmm. then it cuts to him playing guitar there's this riff that's in his head that he heard when he was under hypnosis that he can't really get out his son helps him find out what the exact riff is and then he becomes obsessed trying to figure out what song that Mm -hmm. riff belongs to um which again it pays off in the very end but Mm then um the family needs to go uh They're going to go to a baseball game because this community, this neighborhood is really tight knit. Mm -hmm. So when there's like a a high school football game, everyone goes, it's a big deal. And so they get a babysitter. Uh, The mom can't find a babysitter and the son is talking to no one. And that no one suggests a specific girl. He tells his mom, um, his mom is like, Oh, that's, that's a great idea. I'm going to have to look her up. Where did you hear that? He's like, Samantha told me she never asked who Samantha was. When Samantha told him, but that's our first clue that, Mm. okay, well, maybe the son is talking to the exact same person that the dad witnessed. Um, Mm. So they start going out as soon as the the babysitter comes in. But as soon as Tom sees the babysitter, flashes of red, this way of the shine communicating with him that he doesn't fully understand, start flashing in front of his face Um, when he looks at this babysitter. Super creepy. And I was uncomfortable looking because I was like, dude, you're, you're staring too long. This girl is young. Well, and
1: especially keeps going down with his eyes. It's like, man, come on. She's, she's a teenager. Give it a couple of years, and then mm-hmm. it'll be less creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was wildly creepy. But I think it was intentional, and it really mm-hmm. worked
0: because, you know, he was not in that headspace at all, mm-hmm. and she didn't know. She was just like, what the fuck are you looking at, creep? Um, yeah. So I think it worked really well. But anyway, um, the baby monitor is key here because then the so babysitter can hear this the boy talking to Samantha. Turns out Samantha is the babysitter's sister. And so she goes up, there's like, who are you talking to? And he's all Samantha. She's like, What do you mean? You know, and they have this big back and forth. Samantha's here. She she lives here. He's like, Yeah, I've talked to her here. Well, Samantha's been dead for like months and months. <laughs> so she Thanks. takes the boy, she's gonna run back to where her mom works at the train station to have him tell her so that they can get the police or something to look in and, and find out where their sister is. Meanwhile, uh, Kevin Bacon's character is getting these red flashes like, oh, my gosh, she's taking our son. And so they Mm. race back and it's this huge uh, race down the streets to this train station. They finally get the boy at the train station uh, and the police get involved. Like, did you take this kid? Does this kid belong to you? And they're like, "Uh, he stole. He he has our sister. They, you know, the little boy knows where Samantha is and like show the picture. And everyone's like, no, we don't know who that is. Kevin Bacon has seen the face before. Didn't know that it was Samantha or anything, but he immediately <laughs> understands that okay, that's the girl from my vision. I need, you know,
1: I need some yeah, help. And of course, he stops in the middle of you know the fucking staircase to say this shit, versus waiting until the safety of their <laughs> home when they're not around police it's and other people. Crazy. Oh yeah, I've totally seen yeah.
0: her. Yeah, I mean, and they use they use the the key of the red lights and you know red stop signs, everything to help direct him. It's just a way of him understanding how to control this new ability that he's unlocked. Mm -hmm. um and in fact it i mean it got to such a distressing point where he went back to lisa and said look you need to take this off of me you need you need to get rid of this and they have this really wonderful scene where he just starts drinking a beer and she's you know she's high trying to understand what the hell just happened because she tried to put him down in hypnosis again Mm -hmm. and that's where he saw that ghost and uh, like in the auditorium with him who wasn't supposed to be there and Mm it turned and grabbed him and started draining him of his energy and stuff and so he's like you know famished and trying to to recoup whatever electrolytes or i don't know liquid i just thought it was a really great thing where she was trying to understand and communicate with him Mm. she couldn't stop talking but he didn't listen at all and he was just drinking she's like oh do you want a beer i can't believe this is happening and she's just completely high at the same time it was this really great scene i loved it so much but uh so ultimately um the mom takes the son out uh, for a walk ends up in a graveyard uh, and she, the son walks up on this police burial um, mm-hmm. uh, funeral scene well there's this like big black policeman who sort of leans over looks at the boy does a little tootaloo with the fingers which is super oh, it was
1: it was Dick Halloran jr is who it was
0: <laughs> really actually, what it was too. it's always an old black man that's like mm-hmm. super wise and mysterious and helpful friendly. <laughs>
1: i I mean it makes sense
0: where does that come from
1: uh fucking who knows it works though
0: thugs in film or they're old wise men there's no in between
1: Uh, at least they're not boring (laughs)
0: that's true that's true um but it was really interesting so um the policeman is following them and the mom, you know, sort of confronts him, like, are we not supposed to be here? He's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the, the police officer says, look, the boy's got the shine about him, right? He says the look or something like that, right? Yeah. The eyes. He's got the eyes. Um, and he's like, you don't have it. Does the father have it? And she's like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, tell him to come visit us at this place and he gives him a business card. And so while the son and the dad are sort of, you know, communing in the living room without talking or anything, she goes takes a knife and goes into the city to this address that's where we as the viewer realize oh my gosh there's this whole underground group of these people mm-hmm. that are having this secret gathering and it immediately reminded me of the one true not and it yeah, immediately made me want the fucking one true not to come in here and start killing people
1: like this uh yeah i i immediately uh as soon as we finished this i ended up having to buy the the new or not the new version but the extended release of the shining yeah <laughs> so oh, it's like i gotta watch that and the. Uh, Uh, director's cut of doctor sleep now
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it was the x-ray eyes kate says i remember that ah yes um it was fantastic though it was it was so so goddamn good to to know that this wasn't just a haunted house film Mm -hmm. isolated it there's actually a universe that we get a glimpse of and that that took it from just being this two character drama or three character drama to To a a much larger scope and even Mm -hmm. though we don't really deal with it knowing it's there i don't know it eases the transition for the viewer i think to start to believe whatever is being presented to them at Mm -hmm. that point because it is a global issue yeah um and so ultimately um tom is being harassed more and more the nice kind old black gentleman explains look he is just opened up to this universe he doesn't understand it he doesn't know what he's seeing but whoever contacted him has asked him for something he may not have heard it but the longer that they aren't heard the more aggressive they're going to get so he needs to do whatever they're asking him to do and ultimately it's this ghost of this young girl trying to get him to find out where her body is and then hold those accountable who need to be held accountable Mm -hmm. um and that's really what this whole film is about. And it's an interesting way of, of spinning it. There's some really great scenes where he was told in that second hypnosis to dig by the ghost. And so he's like digging mm-hmm. in the backyard. They had this really great uh, impromptu scene where he kicks the bucket. And it, he just happened to bash a window with it because he kicked it so hard. And they yeah, didn't that was even some mean excellent,
1: that. Excellent aim. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was a total mistake, and he just kept walking because that's you know Kevin Bacon's just a good actor. He, instead of mm-hmm. stopping, going, "Oh shit, sorry guys," and they just kept it in because it was a happy accident. Um, but like the, the interplay between the uh, Maggie and Tom is so fantastic. Like that mm-hmm. sex scene in the middle of the night, oh, that was hot. And Word he's getting <laughs> he's getting these flashes of her torture and death while Maggie is fucking him, and it's just so great. <laughs>
1: It's like, hey, that buy me an extra minute. Sweet.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, dog, uh, Six Sense came out earlier that same year, which mm-hmm. is, you know, part of why they think that it didn't do so well. echos didn't do as well as it could have. But yeah. Stir of Echoes was based on an old 50s novel. And so clearly, you know, I don't think one copied the other. Unless no, and had some...
1: this this is the kind of shit like this happens it's just something that's out in ether like that's why you get a lot of movies that will come out within a quick span of time that are real fucking close it's not that people are ripping people off like you gotta figure development for shit like this can be anywhere between a year to like three to four years Yeah. so just because we're seeing it at a certain point in time doesn't mean that oh that happened earlier this year when that other movie came out yeah I mean, ultimately, you know, at
0: the end, there's a lot of really great jump scares. Not a lot. There's a couple jump scares. That's which fucking tra- good ones. Which traditionally I'm just not really a big fan of because I, I think they're cheap. I feel like mm-hmm. these were really earned. Like, they mm-hmm. were just really, not just done well, which they were, but because it wasn't an overt, like, you know, Blumhouse, The Nun, where every two seconds is a new jump scare. Yeah. Um... It slowly built up character, uh, inter- like character development. It built up story. It built up atmosphere, and then you get the jump stairs. and so it mm-hmm. it feels earned and it feels valuable. to, yeah. the, to the film.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely. It, there was a point, yeah. not just to get you to, to shit yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Never actually shit myself in a film during a film yet, but
1: I'm trying to think I'm if I have or not. It. Looking for that
0: film that'll make me poo. <laughs> that's Yeah. The, that's my white whale. Someday. <laughs> Someday. We can only dream. Um, so, you know, ultimately he starts digging. Uh, he the he needs to get like a longer hose or there's like a water issue. So he goes into his basement, mm-hmm. uh, the crawl space in the basement. And then he uh, starts like realizing that, no, this is where he needs to dig. Um, ends up tearing up the floor with concrete, accidentally okay. hits a wall and then pulls the wall down, sees a coat, pulls the coat out, and it's her corpse. He goes to his neighbor because once he touches the corpse, he gets the full flashback vision of Mm -hmm. what actually transpired. So this young girl, Samantha, is walking down the street. Two jocks, they're the two sons of two of the guys. One of them he's running the house from and the other is um, one of his friends down the street. Mm -hmm. They went to the party at the very beginning of the film. Um, These two boys are drunk and they're going to just straight up rape someone and so they lure Samantha into the house that Tom is now living in but it was in development at the time or being renovated at the time Um, brought her in and they were you know throwing around um, booze and just trying to convince her clearly they're setting her up as like this loner kid one guy in the film is calling her a retard because she's so Mm. reclusive and just sort of quiet just a little bit odd of a character but nothing particularly wrong with her but she feels like well if this is an opportunity for me to have friends then what do friends do and she's like kind of uncomfortable she's like you can kiss me if you want really uncomfortable he starts Mm -hmm. like groping her and she's like no not that and that's where they get really aggressive and that's where she starts screaming they're like shut her up shut her up they put uh, plastic over her face because there was like plastic all over from the Mm -hmm. renovations and, and painting and such and then she suffocates to death and they're just staring at her so he realizes who killed her he goes to tell the the father like look I'm going to call the police. I want you to know before anyone else that your son murdered this girl. Mm -hmm. And then he reveals the father that they knew about it. The parents knew that their sons did this and they didn't want to ruin their son's future. And so they boarded her up, but he has too big of a conscience. He can't deal with it. And so uh, he goes down there, reveals, you know, admits that they all knew it, tells Mm -hmm. uh, Tom to go upstairs and leave him. And then they hear a gunshot presumably the guy killed himself but actually didn't and we skipped over a part where the guilt of that guy's yeah, the, son, the son kills actually shot himself yeah. as well and and part of that is this whole vision experience that uh, Tom is having throughout the film
1: yeah yeah, and that was the best part like yeah. that dream sequence where he had that premonition of the kid killing himself or trying to kill himself fuck that was so good that was heavy <laughs> like oh that makes you uncomfortable well I guess this will too yeah. oh my god yeah, that was heavy all of his, yeah so fucking good.
0: <laughs> and then when he wakes up from that and he starts seeing the same, you know, pieces in place, he's like, Oh shit. Oh no. Oh no. It's gonna actually happen. It was so- oh, Kevin Dunn was great. You're absolutely right. Was right. Um so uh That's when the cop comes in who actually, you know, is renting this building with his son, tosses his son a flask of of liquor saying, hey, drink that because, you know, they're planning to kill him. Um, Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Maggie's mom died. Uh, They had this huge fight because he didn't want to uh, Tom didn't want to go with Maggie because Tom's obsessed with finishing Mm -hmm. what this is and digging and finding out what he's supposed to find. He knows it's a corpse, but he doesn't know where it is. Um, Maggie comes back uh, to get him. And the son refused to because he said the feathers. He didn't understand why. Yeah, was he was very
1: terrified of the feathers. Danny moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just like, uh, I don't know. The boy that lives in my mouth told me it. Mm. <laughs> so I just didn't go. Um, and so she goes to the house right when he's about to be killed, uh, realizes that there's something wrong because she was honking and no one came out. She started approaching the house, got a weird feeling, went and grabbed a knife out of her purse from when she went uh, into the city and met the other, the knot, I'm going to say. Um, and then she goes up to the the building and the cop grabs her, throws her to the ground. He's about to shoot her and then gunshots start going off. We realize mm. that the son who shot himself, his father didn't kill himself and he's just standing there and he just killed him. He tells him like, look, they were going to kill you and Maggie, Tom, so... This has to end. Like good people Mm -hmm. have to, you know, bad bad things cannot keep continuing here.
1: Um, Yeah, they just like throughout the entire film, that character kept stressing that it was a good neighborhood with good people. Good
0: neighborhood, there's good people. Yeah, Um, and so there's this bad event that they were all complicit with in this very good area and good neighborhood that just was uh, this poison at the core of everything in this this street. Mm-hmm. Which I really like that, that idea that you can only go so far with covering up the, the, the evil that you've committed.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it will eat at you. You know, it's that telltale heart. It's going to be beating under the floorboard until it drives you mad. The mm-hmm. son couldn't handle it. The father is just cracking. He can't take it. And then finally the evil comes out and the, the, the evildoers are punished. And then we see this really great scene of the, the ghost of the girl sort of being freed, you know, let yeah. go and, and walking down the street and everything. Um, and that's that's kind of the film. Um, what I don't know. Is there anything else as far as, like, story beats you want to talk about before we start talking about what we like and don't like?
1: No, I, th- I think that it pretty much covers it. I mean, there, a lot of the rest of the film is just all, like, subtle nuances, like the sort of, you know, trying to throw it in different directions, like maybe he's losing his mind. Maybe he's not, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's really the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Just all around, it's it's good fun.
0: <laughs> so what was your favorite part of this film?
1: Uh, so favorite part, uh, probably have to actually be the, the dream sequence or the premonition sequence when he sees the sun shoot himself. Like, it's just so goddamn creepy. And then, to, uh, like, watch the look of... Or to see the look of dread on his face as he's grabbing his boot mm-hmm. makes me laugh every single fucking time. It's like no, no, oh, it's like shit. no, it better not be under there. <laughs> oh, fuck and Then just high tells it out. Yeah, She's like ah, oh, God, somebody's gonna shoot himself.
0: I love the um the way that they recorded the ghost because they slowed down frame rates so mm-hmm. that there was just a little bit of skipping in her movements, but it wasn't Lots.
1: so much. And she was uh, it was also filmed in reverse too. Oh, really? Yeah, that that's why okay. there's a lot of that shakiness.
0: Nice. I mean, I, I just thought they did such a wonderful job portraying not mm-hmm. just the hypnosis experience, but also the afterlife, the ghosts. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really wonderful job. Even when you never see anything, it's just the boy, little boy talking to them. You really buy that, okay, this, this world does really have ghosts in it, and, and there mm-hmm. are those who can commune with them, and there are those who can be haunted by them, and and it just made it completely believable. It's not mm-hmm. like... Like Amityville Horror, it's a house. Everything mm-hmm. is isolated in the house. In in uh, in The Conjuring, it's a house. It, you know, it's all centered around this one space. Well, this mm-hmm. busts that wide open like The Shining oh, yeah. does. I just love. <laughs> well, it and
1: so especially at the end too. Like um, after they've already packed up and they're starting to move out, like that yeah. they're just driving and you see the sun just kind of sitting there in the car, staring out the window, mm-hmm. and then all these voices start picking up and picking up, and then you realize what they are. And that's when he covers his ears and then the movie's over. Yeah. Like, it's huge.
0: Yeah. There are a lot of story beats visually that are similar to um, that Shyamalan film. And I just don't, you know, they're just, they're tropes that, that mm-hmm. just work. And so that's why yeah. I think they're there. It, I don't I don't think anything was intentional or anything. No. Um, but I really do wish people would go back and, and revisit this story because it mm-hmm. holds up. Like, even Absolutely. to today, it holds up
1: really, really well. That's the crazy just... thing with all the uh, the VFX. And, mm-hmm. like, this is 1999. Yeah. This is when Spawn came out and <laughs> Spawn won awards for their VFX. Yeah. Like, think of that. And then just the hypnotism scene, like, when he first goes into hypnosis and you're seeing the, the theater change and the colors change. Like, that's all VFX. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking just as good as anything getting put out today. Yeah. And this is 20 fucking years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. It was. It's
0: just such a good fucking film. And Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. is just at the top of his game.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Like, he is so goddamn good it, it, just as an actor, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just does such a good job. Um, and Catherine Erb... Maggie, his wife, yeah. I think was just fucking phenomenal. I mean, I really right. believe their relationship together.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, chemistry was perfect. And yeah. they had that error of being a couple that's been together for a while, but still fun in a way. It was just so believable because they, it wasn't this it, – it wasn't – typically what films
0: are going to do is present an angle of a relationship. They're really good together, and so they're going to work through things really well Mm -hmm. or they're just terrible and so they're going to end up splitting up this is an ebb and flow real life relationship they have they fight and they argue but they always come back together because they do genuinely love each other Mm -hmm. um you feel the tension and the connection in the relationship like you do when you're fighting with your own wife you know or, or significant other whoever's watching this and so it was so real that it just it, just, it, it helped sink you down into the believability of this world. And mm-hmm. I just wish, I'm not going to watch it because I don't want to be burned. But there's no, a sequel no, to this. No, Adam. We should I wish. Watch it.
1: I, really? We should watch it just to see how awful it is. <laughs> it's Rob Lowe. <laughs> made Stat. for TV movie. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it, oh, man. Wait, it was a made for TV movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think we have to watch it. Then. <laughs> Ugh, it's like American Psycho 2. Just not good.
0: Not yeah. good. Um, all right. Well, maybe we have, we'll have to check it out and just see how bad Rob Lowe can be. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, worst parts. What, what are your least favorite parts?
1: Okay. So the only part that ever really bothers me and... Like I know it's stupid because it does fit with what's going on, mm-hmm. um, but something about his demeanor in the the backyard scene where him and his son are digging, right. he's so disconnected from the character that he was throughout the rest of the film, including once he gets out of the hole and starts talking to her. So it's like I understand, like he's snapping. Mm-hmm. He is a, a single-minded individual. Like he is, this is his goal. That is everything. That's where he's going. But I don't know. Something about it just kind of bugs the shit out of me, especially because he snaps so quick back to how he is. Um, So if I had to bitch about something in the movie, it'd be that. But it's still... Like, I believe it. I understand it. But something about it bothers me. And it probably is supposed to.
0: Yeah. I I sunk right into that. Um, And I think it's because... He was really having his it's all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy moment. You know, he's like, when I'm in here, I'm working (laughs) always, you know, so he was like, so in it in the zone. And then he suddenly realizes, oh, shit, that's the wife that I love. You know, Jack Torrance didn't fucking love Wendy, Um, especially not at this point. But Tom certainly loves Maggie at this point. He just, he saw himself (laughs) at that brink and he realized, and I've, I've been in the same place where I'm in the middle of something and my wife says something and I just snap. I was like, ah, fuck, I'm sorry. I didn't, I was just, you know, I was in a different place. And so that's what he was.
1: Yeah. Um, And And horseshoes usually does help alleviate the situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he was very aggressive, like in that (laughs) moment. Uh, So I don't know if, if they didn't play up the back and forth, that they had before, like at the very beginning and throughout, you know, really just throughout the whole film um, where they, they're a little snotty to each other and they sort of come back to each other, then I think that would have been a real red flag for me. But because they played up that, you know, they're willing to just swear at each other and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm, I, I think I, I forgave it a little bit. I think um, my least favorite part of this, god damn, I just watched this morning and I'm trying to think of something that didn't really work for me. <laughs>
1: see it's hard yeah it's hard yeah. like that's that's where i was like i had to find something that kind of didn't sit well with me and again like it it made perfect fucking sense but for some reason it just it was like no. Mm.
0: yeah i can't it's i don't think this is like a perfect film but it's exactly what yeah, it says it's a gonna perfect be. film yeah yeah i mean it it's it's exactly true to what it's it, it, it mm-hmm. says it's trying to be it pays it off so brilliantly i don't think that I don't think that there's any, like, there's nothing in it that I would call bad, like, mm-hmm. that took me out of it or or anything. I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more universe building, so I guess maybe that's what I'll say. After the mom realized that there's more people out here, mm-hmm. she never really came back to him and said, Look, there's people that maybe you could talk to to help, you know, set things right. Yeah. so so I don't know what what the real purpose of that was just so that she understood that he was going through something because she didn't come back and say, Hey, you need to listen to this ghost. Mm -hmm. So there, there was no real point to talk to him.
1: The the cop. So I don't, well, I. so the, the, the thing that stopped her from talking to him about it was the death of her grandma. Right. So it's like in all likelihood, if that hadn't happened, she might've talked to him about it. and, yeah, it was it was a way for her to understand that what he's experiencing and what her son's experiencing is real. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the final nail in the coffin was when the phone rings and he's like, "Oh shit! Wait, never mind, never mind." Yeah, yeah. Go that... ahead and answer it.
0: No, she's already. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kate says she didn't like it at the end, where all the ghosts from the other houses were whispering and calling out um, for Jake. I didn't really mind that. It was very intense because he never heard it at that magnitude before. But I think it was just the closing scene well, of saying, we, look, this is everywhere.
1: We might not have known that, though, because the entire movie is from the perspective of Tom. Kevin yeah. Bake's character. Yep. So maybe that was almost a way of sort of teasing what the sequel would be if there was a sequel. Interesting. Like, okay. that's how I've always taken it. Yeah.
0: because that was a very sixth sense thing. Mm-hmm. to happen, you know, um, Vasheri says for him, it's when Samantha walks away at the end, he just didn't, it didn't work for him. A sort of after school, special vibe. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny. Um, I didn't mind it so much because I've, I was raised in the idea of like this sort of purgatory. And when you've mm-hmm. been released from purgatory, you can then ascend to this idea of a heaven or something. I came from yeah. a religious background. And so as far as like the afterlife I always thought of it in terms of there's going to be a bit of like a bus station vibe mm-hmm. like you're going to have to hang around for a little bit until you can then go to the, wherever the next stage is um I don't see that now but I did then and so yeah. that's when I watch it I'm I'm just like oh, okay well that's kind of they're just they're giving us a visual of that of her Well
1: and that and that's something too that's set up in a lot of movies of that era. Yeah. So yeah. it yeah. just it's something you immediately buy into.
0: Yeah, and and then, you know, Kate does mention uh, every house is a ghost, she guesses. That's a good point because I don't don't like the idea that there are these, like, universe of ghosts at every home. I like that in this particular case, it was a tragic event that trapped her and that she was trying to break out of. But he was inundated so much in that final scene of, of driving past that, yeah... But then again, you know, it reminds me of Danny Torrance of saying, look, mm-hmm. you got to you got to learn to shut down the shine, you know, because it can become overwhelming. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: I can and that's just an old that. Superman trope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. Maybe I maybe that's why I don't mind it. Um. OK, uh, let's do ratings. Right? OK.
1: What do yeah. You I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's a fucking classic. It's forced. Four banana stickers.
0: Four all period. around. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it said it was going to be, mm-hmm. and it did it brilliantly. There it are other films. holds up. Yeah, that try to do something similar to this and don't really pay it off as well. Mm-hmm. This, again, timeless. You can watch it whenever you want, and it will always hold up. The creep factor in it will always hold up.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just, it's <laughs> so
0: good. And, and I remember watching this uh, when it came out. I was stationed in Germany. And I just thought Kevin Bacon looked so fucking cool.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: just like black t-shirt and jeans, rock star, fuck, or you know wanna be rock star. Mm-hmm. I was like, they have the best goddamn relationship where they can just be honest with each other, which includes aggressive and frustrated and you know still in the middle of the night if they want to fuck fuck. <laughs> I just, yeah. It was like the greatest version of what I aspired my new marriage at the time could build into. Mm-hmm. Um and that's maybe putting too much on it, but that's kind of where my head was when I first saw it. And so it's it's just it's one of those films that's just always stuck with me and, and takes me back to that point in my early marriage of saying I don't have to be a piece of shit. I can actually be me and still connect with her for who she is and you know, mm-hmm. and little things like that that every marriage has to go through. Um I dug it. I
1: thought it was cool. So Yeah, can't go wrong off. with it.
0: Anything else you wanted to touch on?
1: No, but I would like to see that sequel. <laughs> yeah, all right.
0: Not the Rob Lowe that. sequel.
1: I, oh. I'm talking like the the, the spiritual sequel, the, the one that didn't happen. Right. Um, you know, the, the son. Yeah. be so nice.
0: And the thing is, is the sun is in the Rob Lowe sequel. He's supposed to be the lowest oh, pin. Yeah, but it's only supposed to be like a brief cameo or something mm. in order to have that connection between the two. So, mm. I don't know. I have a feeling it's See, that'd song. be
1: perfect. Like, they could totally do a, a ripoff of Dr. Sleep. And yeah. just use the same characters because I mean, fuck, it's been twenty years.
0: Yeah,
1: he's all grown up. He's all grown up. <laughs> Poor Jake.
0: Uh, okay, I oh, you know what I really loved? I got to talk to just really quick. He, his mom told him to stop watching this adult like scary film. He's like, oh, one more minute, one more minute, one more minute. And he's just this cute little kid in his cute little kid He's watching a scary movie. I was like, that's me, and that's all of my kids. <laughs> like exactly, that is yeah. we've all been there. It was so great. I was like, I want I want those jammies now so I can just <laughs> I can rock them. Um, and then when he, like, tries to go to kids programming and Samantha's getting all pissed off and she keeps mm. flipping it back to Night of the Living Dead. I was just like, that's what my kids watch. Oh, that my shit,
1: God. shit. So I love that movie. I mean, everybody loves that movie. Mm. You have to. But I fucking hate seeing it in movies. It's just every time I see it, it pisses me off oh, really? so much. Because you know why it's used a lot in movies, right?
0: License?
1: Yeah, it's public domain. They don't yeah. have to pay for it.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that. It's fucking
1: it's bullshit. It's Maybe cheating. Damn it. Pay it. for licenses. <laughs> Assholes.
0: You bastards. You killed Kenny, fuckers. <laughs> all right. Um well that's going to do it for this episode, I think. Thank you all so much for tuning in live and if you haven't seen this film, go see it. It's definitely Yeah, what the worth fuck it. is wrong with you? Yeah. And oh that's great. Look okay, at Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Four out of five banana stickers. Nice. I like our banana sticker better, though.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not seeing the stickers, damn it.
0: Um, all right, so uh, if you appreciate what we're doing here and you want to support us, hit that subscribe button, sign up for the email list, and, I don't know, like the video. I'm going to release this as an audio form uh, tomorrow, and uh, if you get this via podcast, give us a rating and a review. I am experiencing like some weird delay in the podcast releases and i'm trying to nail like track down why that is so if you're not getting the latest podcast it's because there's an error that i'm trying to fix just so you know all right that's going to do it for this uh week's satanist on cinema thank you all once again and until next week hail the satan
1: yes hail that satan
0: <laughs> hail that satan right out
1: <laughs>
0: okay so vasuri did win last week's contest Yes, which was wonderful. I ended up yes. just sending him um, the lapel pin and a bunch, a couple of extra stuff. But you and I are going to see each other on Sunday, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, got some shit to send over too. So found then... the decals last night.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah. if we have stuff available on Sunday, we should do another contest then.
1: That sounds great.
0: All right.
1: So we Especially can because do... th- th- it's it's going to be a struggle to watch it with us, I'm sure because. You know, booze and stuff.
0: Well, we're just going to do a commentary, <laughs> though, right?
1: Yeah, sure. Probably. So, I, I don't remember what the hell we're doing.
0: Um, it's going to be fun. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that was. But like, it's, it's going to have to be pre recorded because. Oh, yeah. Because that's on yeah. a Sunday, not a Monday. That's true. So, that'll be good. All right. So, uh, just so you guys know, there's probably going to be a, a contest next time. Yes, not very likely. Time. All right. We already left.